0: Welcome back to CodingCat.dev, where we give you cats the freshest dose of dev snacks. Here is Alex Patterson and Brittany Postma. This episode brought to you by Storyblock. Build anything and publish everywhere. Welcome, welcome. I feel like I haven't said hello in, you know, a million years since I've been gone, so... Uh, just getting back from vacation, we're probably a, a couple episodes behind. Usually I record a bunch before I take off or something, but uh got lazy this year, which feels weird to me. Usually like what? We record like seven episodes before I take off.
1: We try, but then sometimes you just get busy and things happen and you have to take some time to recharge sometimes. so
0: It's been nice. But we're glad
1: Perfect. to have you back. We're glad to be back.
0: Yeah, it's, it's super Awesome. <laughs> Uh so I spent uh, 2 weeks in Africa which was wild it seems like crazy long and like super fast all at the same time if that makes sense. I got to see what they call the big 5 which I'm not going to get this right but it's uh elephants, lions, uh I think it's leopard um yeah I'm not going to get it right. <laughs> um so I saw like everything which was incredible cheetah and-
1: you showed me a cheetah. Yeah, I don't think cheetahs are. big five?
0: I found out the big five Giraffe? is the five that are most hunted or were most hunted back in oh, the day. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, it's kind of frightening. So anyways, uh, also, Brandon is joining us today to talk all about flight control. Welcome, Brandon. Thank you. Good to be here. I'm kind of curious. Um, let's so let's break into what I originally know Brandon from. So BlitzJS was kind of the thing that I don't know for better words put you on the map, right?
2: Yeah, pretty much. And so what, like,
0: what do you still do with BlitzJS these days?
2: Uh, so we we continue to maintain it um, part time. Um, we are are we are marking it uh, the 2.0 stable release. I think actually this week. Um, and so yeah, continuing to, to maintain it to, to fix it, add small improvements. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of like old news at this point. And, and JavaScript devs always looking for the shiny new thing. Um, so, you know, it doesn't have a, doesn't have the buzz like it used to, but there's still lots of people using it for production apps and even starting uh, new production apps with it today.
1: I don't want to go too far down that path, as I know we're not here for Blitz.js today. But is it like similar to Redwood, what Redwood does?
2: Yes, very, very similar. It's basically just another a different approach um, that is built on top of Next.js instead of uh, a GraphQL centric thing. Um, It also kind of really brought the RPC uh, back into fashion. Um, we were kind of the the first framework, really, to to embrace RPC in this this latest few years. And now it seems like every framework is building RPC into it. So, sweet,
0: nice. And so, uh, prior to that, uh, before I knew you, like, can you give us a little bit breakdown of like why you started working on those type of projects and kind of got into this space to start with?
2: Yeah, I've been a software engineer my whole whole career. Um, started as an intern in two thousand and ten. Doing embedded programming, programming like microcomputer chips, controlling motors and lasers and stuff, which is kind of fun, but gets boring after a while. And I was like, I want to be more creative. And I was like, seeing, you know, JavaScript shops, like agencies or whatever with their like ping pong tables and <laughs> fancy offices. And I was like, that's what I want. Like, I'm in this boring gray cubicle. I need something better. Um, and also, I kind of got bit with the entrepreneur bug early on. I was like, kind of realized the power of, of software and, and how scalable it is. And so even a single person can can build like a decent, pretty large business through software. And I was like, Okay, I'm, I'm going to do this one day. And so kind of been working towards that. Um, the the first kind of step I made in that direction was become a consultant, do freelancing for about four years. And that was like, that was a big step, you know, like going from a stable job to, I don't know where I'm going to get my paycheck from, Uh, but that was like the best thing that I could have done. Um, I I went from working in the office to remote. Uh, This is overnight. I went from working in the office to a remote, went from 40 hours a week to 30 hours a week and almost tripled my income.
0: Wow. That's incredible. How did you have enough um, like work coming in at that point to to be able to do that?
2: Well, I didn't. (laughs) So I, I was actually moving uh, states at that point from Minnesota back to Ohio. And like, I basically had to, had to quit. Uh, so it was a forcing function for me to kind of oh, make this sure. move. Um, and so I had been, I knew it was coming up. I was trying to find work. Um, but a month before the move, I still didn't have anything lined up. So I went ahead and told the, the, my employer, I was like, hey, I'm leaving. Uh, but like, I know you're, you've lined me up to build this new web app. And really I'm the only one that has the, the skills to do it. Um, I'm happy to keep on as a contractor and build this thing for you. And they're like, sure. <laughs> so it worked out. That's awesome. That's always
0: like the best scenario, right? Like you're not like taking anyone off because you're leaving. You get work to continue going. That's that's amazing. That's really cool. And so that, so that kind of led you into like you saw Next.js and that's when Blitz started or is there a bunch of hops before that?
2: Yeah. um, You know, I got into web programming through Ruby on Rails. So that's kind of my background. But as a consultant, I was entirely JavaScript and TypeScript and React. And that's what I really love the most. But I really missed that developer experience that Rails had. There's just so much value and a batteries included framework. And even still, I I reminisce about going back to Rails, because it's just it's just so great. (laughs) Um, So many, so many things I love there. I'll get I'll give
1: my Rails code base to you that I work in. (laughs)
0: i might have to catch that same bug every time i've gone down the ruby and rails side of things i'm like i don't get it i
1: don't get it (laughs) i think it probably depends on the code base you're in but
0: i need to spend some time over there
2: so yeah i um was just kind of earning yearning for that sort of developer experience and had this idea of 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 creating this sort of Ruby on Rails for JavaScript and React. And that's kind of where Blitz came out. Um, and it was kind of at a time in early 2020, before the pandemic had hit, but that, that people there's a bunch of people kind of, I don't know, ready for something new, ready for something better and different. And so it really kind of struck a nerve. Um, and so I got a lot of people interested in it. Not as many people actually ended up using it, because at the end of the day, JavaScript devs like to build their empire from scratch, instead of using a <laughs> better included framework. Uh, but that definitely it taught me. Um, it, I got experience running an open source project. It was the first open source project I'd ever done. I realized that I really like building developer tools and have a good knack for developer experience and even marketing developer developer tools. Um, and so that's that really kind of set me on the path.
0: Did you end up like learning a lot from, especially on the, like the DX side and getting responses from people when it's such an open, large open source project like that? There's a lot of like negative feedback, positive feedback. How did how did you handle that? like, how did you adjust to it?
2: I actually didn't have hardly any problems. Like I, I kind of am a, a believer that um, you kind of get out of the world what you put into it. And I was just very intentional about putting a lot of positivity into the project and, and community. Um, and you know, like I've almost anyone I've ever talked to that actually knew a little bit about it. They like liked the idea. They thought it was a great idea. Even if, even if ultimately they didn't choose it for their project. Um, so it was good.
0: It's kind of interesting, like the comparison between Blitz and Redwood. And Redwood, I feel like anyone that uses it is just in love with it. They love the community the most. And I feel like those positive communities are awesome to establish and create. It's it's such a benefiting, like, uh, human aspect to it.
1: I think in that open source world in general, you have to have that mindset and mentality going in because mm-hmm. it's, well, if you put your face out there you have to have like a strong will <laughs> to take those comments and know that you're going to get them and be able to take it and and then put the positivity back out there and be willing to build the community up and
0: yeah, yeah. i feel like i feel like no matter what you do you're gonna run into haters and it's just unfortunate oh, yeah. so it's it's good that you still came out of that positive and they're still working in that space so how did that transition? Like, I feel like the next thing I heard from you was flight control, right? How did that kind yeah. of come around?
2: So like I said earlier, been working towards having my own software company. Um, and so Blitz was kind of a detour because it, it wasn't making money. Like I got a sponsor, yeah. like a couple thousand dollars a month in sponsorship money or something, uh, but you know nothing significant. And so I wasn't long into that. I was already thinking about what what kind of business would I build around it? And hosting was like kind of the the biggest pain point that I'd i experienced, and like I've I've never been an AWS expert. Like no, it's just been I tried using it sometime during my consulting. Like took over a project and it was just an absolute nightmare. I understood <laughs> nothing. But it was using like this thing called Elastic Beanstalk, and it, oh my goodness, wow. <laughs> um, so I I I like. I need I demand a good developer experience. And so, you know, I really like Heroku and Vercel developer experiences, but I kept running into just too many limitations. And in wanting to use, like the first class AWS services, like things like SQS, DynamoDB, and these things that are like really powerful and really incredible services. But it's just too much friction to like, for an average developer to be able to use them. I was like, why can't we have this good developer experience, but on my own AWS account, where I get the best and The the, the, you know arguably the best and breed services from AWS, Um, and that's really kind of what started Flight Control. Nice.
0: If I was to compare Flight Control to like AWS Amplify, is there true comparisons there or is it different?
2: Um, so it's Amplify uh, is actually more like a traditional platform as a service that fully abstracts the infrastructure, and so you have the same amount of limitations and lack of visibility and control into what's going on, as you do with for or whatever. Sure. Um, and so the, you know, what, how flight control works is you connect your GitHub account and your AWS account to flight control. And you do just some simple configuration, like your build command, start command, even though that's automatically detected in many cases, and we automate the rest. So like it literally is hands off, you don't have to know about AWS. So it's super easy to get started. But the big power and the benefit um, comes that it's in your account. And you can go into your AWS account, you can see all the infrastructure, all the logs, all the controls, adjust things, it's it's fully yours. And so it sets you up for long term success much more than than a pass, which you know, tend, as a company grows, you tend to outgrow a pass. And so this really becomes technical debt. You know, and so the other option is hiring an army of DevOps engineers to just do a whole bunch of stuff by hand. And that's very expensive and doesn't make sense. And so it's like, we're we're, we're kind of threading that needle with a, a new approach.
0: Totally. Cool. Well, we're going to take a quick uh, break. And then when we come back, we'll dive into flight control further. Check it out. <sighs>
1: How in the world could I forget about this? There is no need to freak out. We have Story Block. Robert, you're right. But we still need a
2: plan. Okay. How much time do we have left until the launch?
1: Twenty-four hours.
2: Okay. Let's go.
0: We are ready to publish.
2: So let's get this baby online.
0: Let's get this baby online. All right. <laughs> All right, we're back with Brandon from Flight Control. Uh, we're just gonna start to kind of break down a little bit more. Um, we're we're comparing Flight Control with AWS Amplify, but we kind of want to understand and you know where developers needs are when you're using flight control so um first of all i'll pop up the, the screen real quick just to show off the awesome website you guys have built i really enjoy it the subtle like plane flying it's just i don't know if you can see it but hopefully yeah this is through Let me see. That, that thing like gets me every time I'm like that's so sweet um so what we're going to kind of dive into, and Brandon, you can you can steer me if you want, or we can just chat through it. Um, but I, I've kind of walked through the basics of setting something up, and I'm kind of curious. Uh, I'd set up like a Next.js repo. Could we walk through like what something like that would be look like as I set it up?
1: You
0: didn't set up a Blitz.js repo? I probably should have. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's totally fine. <laughs> I so I think I started trying this. We'll see. Uh, oh no, maybe that's a problem. Maybe create a new, create a
2: new account. If if you go to the top right corner, okay, uh, and do a new organization. Just do one of these. Uh,
0: sweet perfect so that one so at this point I, I basically what I had was just a bare nextjs setup create next um, and that's sitting out in our repo um, and I if I click this so this is it like it's just the the new nextjs setup with uh, app the app router so cool. all this is. Um, and it's already kind of picked that up because I gave it just the single repo access, and I we're kind of walking through the the GUI config at this point. Is that
2: correct? Yep. So we have two different configuration types: um your classic GUI config, which you, you'd be used familiar with from like Vercel or Heroku, where it's it's basically through a UI. Um, but we also support flight control.json which is a infrastructure as code. Um, and so the, the benefit of infrastructure as code is that the all the configuration for your infrastructure for your your app deployments is in your code and so you can comment on a re, on pull request um and it's you get a source of a truth there you you can it's easy to reproduce things copy and paste um and so there's a, a ton of benefits there but the problem with traditional infrastructure as code like terraform is that it is very low level yeah and so it's, it's it's basically just as hard as using aws through the console um, and so our infrastructure as code is a higher level abstraction. And so it's, it's developer first, it's designed for developers to be able to define all the stuff that they care about, build commands, uh, server size, number of instances, et cetera.
1: A really nice feature just to even in the GUI have that, could you just click on it and let me see it? Cause can you like type, yeah, can can you type in here and then that would edit that for you?
2: So, not right now. uh, But we are rebuilding the entire dashboard right now with all new UI UX. Um, This has been designed by me an engineer. um, And so it's functional, but the new dashboard coming is actually is going to be absolutely incredible. Um, And it does allow you to basically um, use the GUI config and then it'll just give you the JSON to copy and paste and put in your code if you want.
1: That would be really nice to be able to like Either, use either or and to edit because okay. even like Vercel and Netlify, they give you like a Toml file or I don't know what Vercel gives you, but they give you some configuration locally too, but it doesn't like automatically sync up between what you see in your GUI and what you have locally and they will fight each other. And it's really annoying.
2: <laughs> yeah. What? When we are fighting uh, here, rumors. there's, It's driven by only one or the other. Um, And one thing we do want to add is basically the the ability to edit the flag control JSON in your repo through our dashboard. Yeah, that's
1: really smart.
0: Very cool. Uh, Environment, at this point, would that really matter for much? Doesn't matter. So just go development. And then for mine, I'm just going to pick Next.js. Perfect. So what do we have here? Like, I know people are used to kind of AWS. They understand Fargate, but like what are these different options over here?
2: So AWS Fargate is, it's actually almost an alternative to Kubernetes. It's a container orchestration uh, service by AWS. Um, And so it gives you long running containers. So not serverless functions. Um, And it looks like my camera is doing a little... A silly dance that should come back soon. Um, <laughs> anyways, the yeah, you so you can define your your instance size, which is your CPU and memory, Um and then on the left side is your your build system.
0: I'm not familiar with Nix Packs. What are what are those?
2: Uh, Nix Packs is a. Are you familiar with Heroku build packs?
0: I'm not. No, I never okay. really did so, much on Heroku. Docker, uh, yes.
2: Heroku kind of created this concept of build packs um, for adding the the native dependencies that your app needs. So like whether you need Ruby or Node.js or like um, some kind of image magic or some something like these native dependencies. Um, And so Nix packs is a successor to that. That um, is better in a number of ways. But it'll basically, for the most part, automatically detect the dependencies that you need, like Node.js, Ruby, Yarn, PHP. Um, any other things, um, it'll add, add those and then you have full control to customize it to add specific um, things if you need it. Cool.
0: And that's outside of the traditional or not traditional, but outside of your npm package file for your actual application. Right. This, this is
2: you know. the this is like the OS layer. Yeah. So it actually generates a Docker file. Oh, it does. Okay. And builds a Docker image for you. Yeah. yeah so, cool. so this is something that Nixpacks is an open source project that anyone can use um, if you're like, instead of handwriting a Docker file, you just use Nix packs and most people will result in a faster build and a smaller image size than hand rolling a Docker file.
0: Cool. That makes sense.
2: But we do support bringing your own custom Docker file if you, uh, if you want to. Awesome.
0: And so if we were to leave kind of these install build commands, theoretically, it'll pick up the the framework of choice. And... Yeah. Awesome um standard port, health all that fun and then let's see what else do we have as i go down i'm going to stick it in us east and that should be it it looks like should be all let's try her out i thought i already did this it must be per org that that's uh yeah so the cool part here, if, if no one's ever been in AWS and you can probably do this better than I can, but um, there's there's this kind of cloud formation is uh, infrastructure as code, like tool that is used. And this is one of the stacks being created. And it looks like you have provided like this flight control access unique code for each stack that's coming out.
2: Yeah, so this, um, you might, do you already have, if you already made this, I think you'll need to delete that existing stack. Okay, let From me the, go the previous. Back. Um, so I think
0: I have this one already. Yeah, go
2: ahead and delete that one. Okay. So this this uh, stack once it's created, it gives our account secure access into your account, and so we don't have to store any kind of security keys or whatever. It's all a AWS first class um, access management. Gotcha. Cool.
0: All right, it's awesome. So it looks like uh, uh environment is being provisioned. So if we were to look at this on AWS, we would actually see um, this kind of occurring in CloudFormation.
2: So we use CloudFormation to create the initial infrastructure. Uh, it makes it easy to clean everything up if you want to delete it. But um, on subsequent deploys, we don't use CloudFormation because CloudFormation is very slow. And so yes. we're doing everything <laughs> we can to optimize for speed um and so what we do is we s- surgically update AWS using the API. So we only change exactly what needs to be done um and it's much faster than a cloud formation. Cool. That's awesome. I like the so, surgically update. <laughs> so um, that, you know was... we're seeing here the um one kind of difference from using something like Heroku or Cell is that it does take about 15 minutes to create a project, and that's because it's creating dedicated infrastructure for you. So they don't, um, you know, where like Heroku can have a server warmed up and ready to swap in, ready for you. Um, so uh, by the, you know, it's just a one-time thing getting it set up, and then you get that benefit of, of no one else touching your your servers. Nice.
0: And then every time like we're doing development and we push to the repo, is it gonna pick up and, and run the actual like Next.js build and all that fun stuff?
2: Yep. So automatic cool. get get push deploys. Um you can we have preview environments. Um and so the like I know there's a there was a question around like when would you kind of outgrow Vercel or, or something? <laughs> um so there there are I mean it, one thing is like if you're if you want to use a server versus serverless functions, right, so most platforms only have one or the other. And uh, right now we only have servers, but we'll be adding serverless functions later this year. I think it's really important for a platform to support both, because they're they're not one size fits all. Like sometimes a serverless function is better. Sometimes a server is better. Um, Like, because Sometimes cold starts can be too much latency for your your user-facing request, and so the problem is when it's platform only really supports one, then they're hyping up that that model as like the one solution for everything. Yeah. Um, it's not really honest about what is actually best for you, and so uh, I, I think that is that is important.
0: I think we we saw a lot of that with like remix occurring, right? Kind of that. That similar model.
1: Are they going to yeah. be built like the Lambdas off of like the AWS um, kind yeah, of so service?
2: It'd be, it'd be very similar to Vercel's developer experience, but using native AWS Lambda. And so okay. you won't have the, the 10 second or the 30 or 60 second limitations that Vercel has. I mean that know if probably has similar. You'll get the full 15 minutes uh, that you'll get the, the role of Lambda access. So.
0: Nice. What are, like, I, just in general, because I'm kind of curious, um, what are any other additions that you would see kind of going forward? Because you own all of the infrastructure, can you swap out databases? Like, what, what does all of that look like then?
2: So one of the, one of the big things um, with this approach is that for preview environments, you can have a preview environment for everything. So not just your front end but Also, your backend, your server, your database, your Redis, your background workers can all be provisioned temporarily for a pull request and then automatically destroyed.
0: Oh, nice! So, so like, that's that's kind of like the Neon DB type of model for backend, like on a, a yeah, sort of like yeah, commit.
2: but it's instead of just one component, it's, it's all your components together.
0: Um, yeah, okay, cool. So Why, I know this is probably a loaded question maybe there's right or wrong answer, but why would someone kind of go down this road instead of like a Vercel or Netlify? Is it just because of that? Yes, it's easy to like have your first startup projects, but like beyond that, things get a lot more difficult.
2: So Vercel and Netlify are really great for front-end. Like that's what they're focused on. Really uh, just front-end stuff. They have like the the comments on the UI for preview environments and, and things like this. But when it comes to back end, they're they're not like designed well for back end, they can do back end stuff. But, but uh, most people running a serious app in production are going to are going to have too many limitations like they want they want to have their database more securely like behind a VPC and not have it open to the internet, which you is you can't do with Vercel. Uh, uh, maybe they just need more longer execution duration without being on Vercel's enterprise plan. Or, um, or just cost in general, if you're doing a lot of heavy background processing, because Vercel has a 6.6 markup over AWS Lambda cost. And so if you're doing a lot of server processing, uh, that uh, adds up really quickly. Um,
0: Yeah, that totally makes sense.
2: Heroku is also often like a a very expensive, and they're also like just deteriorating. Actually, they had a downtime today. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So reliability is, is another reason to go to AWS. Uh, another one is access to more regions, because most um, of the traditional platforms as, as a service only support like maybe one region, maybe a few With direct AWS, you get access to every single region.
1: You mentioned Like when we were provisioning the server, it takes like 15 to 20 minutes. And you mentioned that you're adding serverless to prevent like some of these cold starts and things. So the server that is provisioning is not going to be running continuously then. It is going to like go up and down.
2: So the one that that we have that we support today is a long running server. It's running all the time. Uh, you define how many instances and how big that is, but it is running all the time, which means you don't have any cold starts. It's always, yeah. It's always there, blazing fast for for serving a user request. Um, so, so, at what point would
1: you want to use serverless
2: then? So, serverless is better for usually for background processing, um, for things that are not user facing, or for like asynchronous events. Like sometimes some event might might happen, and it's not continuous, and so um it's like things that are bursty even even if you're serving uh traf- user traffic but it's very bursty like most of the time you don't have very much but then all of a sudden in a short amount of time you have a whole bunch serverless function can be really good for that because mm-hmm. servers can scale they scale too but it just scales a little bit slower it's not as it's mm-hmm. not as like it's not in 2 seconds or yeah. like a, like a server serverless function it's going to be more like Thirty seconds or a minute. Gotcha. So how, it's how it's weird, more rare. Like I think most people do better with a long running server, unless they're very low traffic, like a hobby project.
0: Yeah.
2: Or, um, yeah, like a very kind of abnormal usage.
0: How how deep are like how much integration into AWS do you foresee? kind of getting into like the thing that pops in my head is like SQS queues and, and things like that. Do you see that kind of the next step you're going to get into or? Yes,
2: yes, yes. We definitely, there's so much we want to build uh, frustratingly. It just takes so long to, Yeah. <laughs> it's just so much complexity and to do it right and to do it in a, with a good user experience, you know, it just takes time. Um, but yeah, the, the next, the very next thing that, or uh, so we're working on this, this dashboard rebuild adds a ton of functionality into the dashboard like live aws cost so that's something that can be difficult to know how much is your aws stuff actually costing and we'll show that right in the ui Um, we'll be adding uh, cpu and memory charts runtime logs all in our dashboard trying to keep you out as aws as much as possible Um, and then after that we'll be uh, building a a blazing fast build system that um is is a custom built uh, thing that should Keep your builds to under a minute for, for many people. Um, and then after that will probably be the big one will be serverless function support. Nice. Awesome.
0: So yeah, if it, I just brought up if you want to, you know, submit feedback or ideas um, and then kind of Brandon has like what they're working on in progress up here um, for different items and then what they're planning on doing next. So it's awesome. That, that visibility is really incredible.
2: Yeah. This app is, is built team? with Blitz, Blitz and hosted on Flight Control, by the way. It's a, it's a different <laughs> company called Product Lane, uh, but yeah, built with Blitz, hosted on Flight Control.
0: Oh, nice. nice. So Product Lane is actually uh, a Blitz, uh, created with Blitz. That's, that's yeah. awesome.
2: awesome. I thought you were
0: building this on top of it. I was like, oh my gosh, that's a lot of work.
2: How big is your team? Uh, we are five full time with a contractor, a uh, plus a contractor and plus an intern.
0: Nice. And a lot of consulting at the same time too to kind of keep the lights no,
2: on or No, we, we uh raised three and a half million in funding. Nice. Went I through Y Combinator. Crunch, but... Sorry. And yeah. <laughs> so um that that is like Congratulations. Yeah, oh, thanks. Um in in various circles, sometimes uh VC funding gets a bad rap and they're like, Oh, bootstrapping is like the best to go. Um and I I used to be in sort of the bootstrapping camp. Like that was kind of my default. Um, but it, so we were intentional about going to raise funding because we just like I was maintaining blitz, I needed to hire someone to to work on that while working on flight control, my co founder and I have full time jobs and, and, um, you know, had people to support and like, so yeah, we needed funding. And now now my take is bootstrapping is overrated. <laughs> it certainly <laughs> has this place. But it's so much nicer having lots of money in the bank It allows you to really focus on on doing the product justice. And Without having to, to be so stressed about where the next dollar is going to come from, I might have so to invite
0: it, you to, uh, to, to one of our pods where we discuss this because I've I've gone through two VC backed and now a, a bootstrapped bootstrapped that they have another product they're making a lot of money on. Um, so it's it's really interesting. I want to talk like all about it.
2: Sure.
1: In other words, it's the developer go to of it depends. <laughs> Right. Uh, Can we show the pricing, too, before we uh, wrap up, just to, like, go over, like, what the pricing is?
0: Yeah, let me bring it up.
2: So for individuals, um, and then self-service plan for teams, that is $12 per service per month and $0.45 per deployment.
0: So the, the tricky part or the, the thing that kind of popped up that people might have caught, if I'm still in this free for individuals, that is the flight control side of it. But it might cost up to $25-ish on AWS services still.
2: Correct. So you're Got still it. in the hook for, for AWS cost, um, you know, which is typically going to be cheaper. Um then a platform a service, like all together, flight control plus AWS is, is pretty on par with what you would expect uh, somewhere else. Um, but you can get AWS credits quite easily. And yeah. we have a page in our documentation with all the ways that we know how to do this. Um, and so that, that can make your AWS um, costs free. Awesome. Yep, totally. Um,
0: if you haven't joined or you don't know about AWS community builders is what I'm a part of as well on the front end side of things. There's all kinds of benefits to that. So if you're a developer watching this, uh, definitely check that out. Uh, There's lots of cool um, things that they give you, including credits on top of like resources and things like that. So definitely check that out too.
1: You missed that comment. It it says my total infrastructure bill went from $2,000 a month on Versal to under $300 a month on flight control, is the comment like right underneath the pricing. Um, and that was someone I, 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 who
2: had a lot of heavy server-side yeah. usage, um, and, and like so the they, serverless and, function
1: usage that yeah, we were talking yeah. about earlier. Yep,
0: it adds up quick, for sure. Yeah. Very cool. Um, percent,
1: uh, increase probably adds up.
0: I did want to touch on like let's let's say the hardcore folks that are like, what do I need Flight Control for? I can just use CloudFormation, or I can just use Pulumi, or one of these other infrastructure as code options. Um, is there an argument kind of against that, like for Flight Control, and kind of the like maybe not now, but in the future as well?
2: So, I I would ask uh, these people to to really think about like. Are you like? Why do you think that you need to actually do it yourself? Like, is this actually going to meaningfully change your your company, your business? Like, yeah, you have like nitty gritty control over everything, uh, you know, but you actually have to, you have to build it from scratch. Even if you've done it before, you have to maintain it. Uh, your team's going to grow. Someone you someone else is probably going to have to come along and maintain it, and maybe they don't they don't know how to, and they have to waste time learning it, or you hire someone, and Um, yeah, it gets the job done. but Like, is it really worth it? Um, You know, what we find is a lot of startups that have done this, like I've already set up AWS stuff. um, Before, when they start a startup, they'll they that's kind of their default, they just do it. And it works for a while, until they start scaling the team. And then it becomes a headache. And then they like, oh, yeah, it'd be nice to have preview environments, and things like this. And then like, oh, here's another whole, you know, weeks of whatever, trying to, you know, improve the stuff. Um, And it's like, it's you're just so much better off using a platform that that, um, you know, like flight control that gives you sort of the best of both. It gives you a much faster time to market, much easier sort of developer experience. But it still gives you a lot of that control that you actually were looking for.
0: Nice. Sorry to put you on the spot.
1: That's probably who's going to benefit the most from something like flight control. But do you think there's room for teams that maybe already have like a development environment set up on AWS and have maybe a few on like a DevOps team? But if they don't have like a large team, do you so, think there's benefit there for those teams?
2: We most often we find that teams will choose us if they don't have a full-time DevOps. If they've already hired a full-time DevOps, you should probably fire them and use flight control, uh, but that's not typically what happens.
1: Maybe, maybe let's not recommend that in this uh, economy.
2: We
0: just lost half our audience. Sorry. For... Oh. I, I would
2: recommend DevOps uh, folks learn to code and, and become back backend <laughs> yeah. engineers. It'll provide a lot more value to the company that way.
0: That's fair. That's a, a interesting and maybe legitimate opinion. I like it.
2: All right. So, yeah, I did want to mention that we're we're really really good for people who are looking to migrate off of Heroku. Um, I think most people on Heroku have probably thought about it, um, and so we we have some guides on how to do this. We're also available uh, for anyone that's going to be on a paid plan. We'll help with migrations for free to help make sure it's a, a fast and success for you. And it's and it, usually we've done this multiple times. Usually the migration is actually very easy. The hardest thing is migrating the database, but even that's not that hard. Uh, we have a guide for that, and we can we can help you through it. Um, so definitely like check us out if you're in that situation. Nice.
0: Love it. Um, I was just going to bring up that page real quick, make sure everyone sees it. Migrate from Heroku to AWS. It's interesting. I feel like when Heroku made the decision to um, have a no free tier, things really started to go weird with heroku i don't know why
2: yeah it's it's kind of sad it really is like they don't even support http 2 and like some of these things it's just it's just an aging dinosaur yeah it's too bad because it
0: i i never personally got that involved with it but i've only heard great things so cool well i think uh we've probably given brandon enough time for Perfect picks, but I'll let Brittany go first. Brittany, can you can you tell the story along with us since we started?
1: <laughs> I can. So I told this story before uh, and I got laughed at, so I'll tell it again. Um, I got this controller to play on my iPad when I was playing Diablo, which um, they have like an iPad tablet version of Diablo, and I enjoy playing that sometimes. Um, but it worked really well. Syncs up pairs, um, it's Bluetooth, so it pairs with the iPad, and then I can use a controller instead of having to, I have the iPad Air, so it's like, I don't know, maybe 12, maybe not quite 12 inches, I think it's 10 inches, Um, but it's pretty big, and I don't want to hold it and play, so I like having the controller to play with, and um, I can sit back from it. I have the, what's the keyboard, the Magic Keyboard dock for my iPad, so it's like, it's like a laptop basically. So I don't like to like play games on that. So I like to sit it away from me and have the controller. Um, so I've, I've gotten back into Minecraft. I would gotten out of it for a while and <laughs> I got back into it again last weekend and I started playing, I downloaded Pocket version which is the iPad or um, phone version. And yesterday I went to Bdub's Buffalo Wild Wings to eat and I was playing Minecraft at my table at Buffalo Wild Wings on my iPad with this thing and it was pretty awesome. (laughs) I had like two and a half hours though to spare while my daughter was in gymnastics. So she's sitting at B
0: dubs playing on her controller, folks. I don't know. It's awesome. There's something interesting there. I'm not I had it like
1: kind of under the table so nobody could see it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, there it is. The embarrassment was there. She was aware of it. I guess we're okay.
1: (laughs) I was in the corner nobody saw me <laughs>
0: <laughs> how many wings did you have
1: i didn't have any wings oh i had this thing called a bird dog have you heard of this thing i have to talk have about heard it of a bird dog. yeah it was so weird and i was weirded out by it but it is a chicken strip on a hot dog bun and i got the loaded one and it was actually kind of good to but be honest cannot... it's not really that different than a chicken sandwich but it's still weird <laughs>
0: I think you've been out of the South too long. Like that's probably a common thing down there.
1: I had never seen a bird dog anywhere in my life. And yeah, maybe I have been out of the South too long because I've been out for like 16, 17 years.
0: Nice. Okay, I will go next. I don't have a fun story for mine, but um, (laughs) Vercel, of course, is, you know, as they are dominantly picking up developers, I feel like. Um, I think they hired the whole team behind this, but um, Shadzian UI has been something that's kind of been floating around. I've checked out on and off. Um, the interesting part to it is there's not like an NPM repo of things. You just kind of copy and paste these and they you place them. Let me see if I can find the, this maybe. Yeah. So this is how the app structure works. Here's your component UIs. And they're all kind of individual pieces that you can drop in. And then you can change them at will and, like, have the defaults and all that fun stuff. So it's a very basic and simple um, kind of set of...
1: Click the structure. code tab there so you can see the actual code that, oh, yeah. uh, on, and that on the page. There you go. And then you would actually, like, copy that and put that into your code base, right? Or you install... I
0: guess so I, I can- don't know how... Yeah, so the whole thing's based on Radix UI. So Radix is kind of this like skeleton type of system, yeah, if you will. With
1: no styles
0: at all. Yeah. And so you can basically start with these defaults and you pull them in out of your own components here. Like it's not it's not actually an NPM repo that you're pulling it from. So I think this is how to use it.
2: Can you scroll down to the installation? Yeah, absolutely. I think that shows like what you would so
1: here's oh. your
2: typical uh, That's the uh, Tailwind config. So that's so I do the manual. The, I bet yeah. that's yeah, it shows you a code that you basically copy and paste. I I'm a big fan so of this approach. Can. Like I I almost I I was work this was in 2018, I think. I was working on uh basically this exact thing uh, of a component library that was copy and paste cuz like I'm a big fan of the of copy and paste so that you get started very easily but then you own it and you you're not uh, at someone else's mercy. Uh, yeah. So this is super cool.
0: Yeah, it's it's always really interesting like Brittany and I we've built so many component libraries over the years. It's it's challenging and it's kind of a simple approach to do it. Um so definitely check this out. Probably the big news was that, you know, Vercel acquired another awesome developer that's that's interesting so we'll see how much uh they end up using they might come out with a new theming engine who knows what's going on over there but we'll see i think
2: brandon you sent me hopefully this is the right link the twitter link yes so that's that's my my pick is to buy your own airplane holy smokes this is wow. crazy
0: do you maintain this as well
2: yes so this was this was just a few months ago back in the April um that I bought this. It wow. is an absolute
0: blast. That's so crazy. So what do you do with this? Do you go up um and just hang out and fly around or do you do shows? What, what so do
2: all of the above. Um go fly, go do loops, aerobatics, rolls, all that fun stuff. Um I've had it for display at a air show. Um and then I also fly to conferences with it. No way yeah is it single seater or dual it's it's two one in front of the other
0: so like you could come pick me up we could fly around is that what you're telling us yes. <laughs> all right i'll pay for gas come pick me up
2: and it, it does have the flight control logo on it now
0: i think you're in ohio now right
1: i was like where are you based it's, it's, it's <laughs> a quick trip up i'm coming around. to sandusky There's next place. week so
2: <laughs> yeah I, I i tell people anyone anyone who wants come visit me uh, in Ohio or at a conference or something, and I'll take you flying.
0: That's nice. so cool. I love it. Very good. Well, if we haven't covered it enough, definitely go check out Flight Control. Brandon is going to be uh, working on that for probably, you know, a while in the future. Yeah. So
2: Hopefully we'll IPO someday. Exactly.
0: Yeah. That's the goal. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.